But good evening to one and all here tonight and to those joining with us on our, on our podcast service. Welcome to the house of God and being part of our family here at Christian Outreach Centre here in Charters Towers. Uh, you're all very, very welcome and we pray a great blessing in abundance to you. And uh, I pray that you, we will be built up in our most holy faith as we come together. That's the purpose of fellowship, is to build one another up in our most holy faith. And so last week at the midweek meeting, I titled the, the message Prayer 101. And it talked about uh, just the basics of prayer, went over it. It wasn't detailed in any way, nor was it pre presented to be so. We didn't get bogged down and majoring on minors, but we came back to the Nike principle, just do it. Because there's so many ways that people like to pray and we should never box God in, but really it comes back down to just do it, amen? And um, many, many seminars are held on prayer and often when they have pr these prayer seminars, they don't pray. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? But uh, my prayer definition is uh, talking with God in a dialogue relationship or conversation. I'm going to recap on a few things from last week before going on to an exciting message which builds on that. So prayer is not a one-way relationship as I discussed, but it is a monologue. And when we pray, we not only expect to be heard by God, but also to hear from God. And so when I come to the place of prayer, you might be like me and you, you turn on the lamp and you grab a coffee and you put your water there and then you open up your Bible and open up a pad and you pick up a pen ready to write down what God is going to speak to you in expectation. The presence of the Holy Spirit is there before you open up your Bible because after all, he is the author of the Bible inspiring all those writers of it. And so uh, I talked about who should pray. And I said, if, and the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 7:14, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray. And so I know that there is a lot of my people, says God, here in the house. Who should pray? God says his people should pray. So we're all called to pray. And it says, and also, and who should we pray to? And uh, Mark 11:22 says, and Jesus said, have faith in God. And so, so praying to God with that God kind of faith. We're not praying to Muhammad or Muhammad or Krishna or any other person, but it is the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the Bible says, besides him, there is no other. They're all counterfeits, amen? And they're all over the face of the earth, counterfeit gods. And why should we pray? And I think in the great reason to, to pray is God has always wanted to live in the midst of his people. He set up a tabernacle because he wanted to fellowship with us. So prayer brings us into communion with God. And, God, and prayer also brings a divine order into our lives. Prayer can do that for us. And uh, where there is an enemy or an agenda of the enemy, uh, an agenda of the enemy which is assigned to us because we're believers, when you sign up with God, you automatically sign on with an enemy. Amen? His name is Satan, and he is a despiser, and he's called the hateful opponent. And so as soon as you sign up with God, you've got a hateful opponent. He hates you, and he hates the church. And sometimes things happen in a church where they don't happen in a Rotary Club or anywhere else because there's a hateful opponent. The Rotary Club doesn't have a hateful opponent. The Girl Guides and all those sort of things doesn't have a hateful opponent, but the church does. And the devil will do anything to pull down his church. Because the church is the body of Christ. Amen? Jesus is the head. And so prayer brings that divine 
uh, order of God into your life and it also repels or pushes back darkness from your life and the things that you pray for. Also, be anxious for nothing but in everything. So when you're feeling anxious, it's great to pray because there's an impartation because Jesus himself is the Prince of Peace. So what should we pray? And I found in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14, and John says that when we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So one of the great guides in prayer is pray according to the will of God. Amen? Finding out the will of God is also found through prayer. And I found you'll know the will of God when the peace of God rests over your life. You tend to know when you're in the will of God. When you're out of the will of God, you take a few steps this way and all of a sudden you start to feel uneasy. You feel exposed. You feel naked like Adam and Eve did. They felt ashamed. They were exposed. When you get back into the center of God's will, not just the permissive will of God, but the center of God's will, you will find that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. It goes on to say in, in, uh, in Philippians 4, 6 and 7. So when to pray? David said, Lord God, you are my God, early will I seek you. So I think early in the morning is good. And then uh, Psalm, Psalm 55 says, evening, morning and noon will I pray, which is the Jewish day. It starts at evening and continues on to morning and noon. That's the Jewish day. So it's saying there to almost pray at any time of the day. And the First Thessalonians confirms that when it says in 5.17, First Thessalonians 5.17, it says to pray without ceasing. As Benny Hinn said, my life is a life of prayer. And as I mature in the things of God, and you'll find this too, that you consistently find yourself basically in a continuous presence of God, not really wanting to depart from it. And your day-to-day -day activities, some of those beautiful books by Bro Brother Lawrence and Jean Guillaume, they sort of encourage a lifestyle of being in the presence of God. Not really ever signing on or off. You wake up and you're in the presence of God. You go to bed and you're in the presence of God. You wait in the, you're awake in the midnight hour and you're in the presence of God. And uh, Jules woke me up in the middle of the night. She says, did you say something? And I said, well, I didn't have time to explain. But I was speaking in tongues almost like I was in a sleep. And it was an unusual thing, but I, I do, I pray, even almost like when you're asleep, you can be in that presence of God, and it's a good place to be. Uh, when things are uncertain, uh, God is a stabling factor. He is a foundation that will not be moved. In this ever-changing, shifting sands of this modern world, Jesus is the only solid foundation that this world has got, Amen. And so we will find more and more, I said to a young man today, we're going to begin to see more and more people flood into the house of God because this is going to be a safe haven for multitudes and multitudes and multitudes of people. And I believe it's going to be trendy to be in the house of God. Amen? If you want to be a trendsetter, you'll be here in the house of God. Amen? It's been a while since that's been, isn't it? But I believe the trendy people in this region are going to be in the house. The trendsetters, the, the wannabes, you want to be associated with, it's going to be here in the house of God. And I pray for all the houses of God throughout this region to be filled to overflowing. And that none of these walls will be able to contain what God wants to do. Because there is a move of God, amen? And keep declaring it. We are in a move of God. The Bible says you shall declare a thing and it shall be established. Calling those things that aren't as though they are is the definition of what faith is. 
And so that's a good thing to have. So when to pray? Basically all the time. How to pray? With so many numerous ways to pray, who likes to box God in? He's an unboxable God and he'll do things just the way as he sees fit. And people object sometimes to the way sometimes people conduct their church, but God will do it just the way he wants. There was a many years ago, there was laughter in the church. Who has ever seen that? It was quite extraordinary uh, in the 90s and that sort of thing. And, it was, and I'm thinking if the Spirit of God was to touch and give you a laugh, would it be a big laugh or a little laugh? We serve a big God, don't we? If God was to cause you to, to want to dance in the house of God, would it be a poor, poor pathetic, dragging your feet dance? Or would it be an exuberant? And when David danced before the Lord, it was an exuberant dance. Amen? So let's not box God in. And God, when the move of God comes and moves, the Spirit of God, God will do things just as He sees fit. Just as He sees fit. Not to how we think that church should be done, but how He sees church. Because whose church is it? The Bible says that it is His church. Amen? He is the head of the church. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He says, you, your job is to make disciples. Our job is to make disciples. It's God's job to build his church. And so I, it puts me in a sober position because I never say this is my church. I have never said it and never will say it because it is Jesus' church. Amen? Safe place for us to be. And so, but the, there are some uh, uh, common attributes in prayer that can teach us how to pray. And, and uh, uh, James 5, 6 and says, ask in faith not doubting, because it says a double-minded man will receive nothing. nothing. That's exactly right. And so at first I was insecure, and, or at first I was indecisive, but now I'm not so sure, is the double-minded man. He comes to God and he's not sure if he should pray this, and he says, if it is your will. It's a, it's a double-minded man who prays a prayer, if it is your will, you will heal this person. The Bible says that God is the great healer. And the, the, some people say the days of miracle have passed. But, I, but we serve not a day of miracles, we serve a God of miracles. So how can it be passed? Amen? And so he says, ask in faith. And James 5, 15 and 16, the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. So we do the praying, God does the healing, and the person does the raising up. It's good, isn't it? It's a combo effort. And James 5.16, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So when, when I see the word effective, then I mean believe sometimes our prayers can be ineffective. Why? Because they lack the fervency. Perhaps on behalf of the prayer, that person's not righteous before, the, before God because they live lifestyles contrary to the word of God and they expect their prayers to be answered. But Bibles, the Bible's very clear here. It says the effective and fervent prayer avails much. The prayer of a righteous man avails much. And so God responds in regards to answered prayer. God doesn't respond to need because the needs are so numerous all around us, but God does respond to what I would call the currency of heaven, which is faith. God responds to faith. Sometimes I've prayed for hours and hours, and, but not in faith. I was weary and I was just but when you sometimes a minute in faith or a moment a moment in faith can be worth an hour of prayer. So uh, Jesus said, "When I return to the earth, will I find faith?" And so it says, "The a prayer of faith will save the sick." Amen.
because faith is the conduit by which the power of heaven can flow into that situation to bring a heavenly intervention. And so, uh, so against that backdrop on prayer, I just wanted to add another arrow to your quiver on prayer, and tonight's message is titled, titled Praying in the Name. And so we know that Robin Hood went riding through the glen. Robin Hood, Robin Hood, riding through the glen. Remember that old song? And on the back, strapped to his back, was a quiver, which was like a little portable box. And in that box, he had many, many arrows. I want to say that the Bible is like a quiver that holds many, many arrows. They're all heavenly arrows. And uh, on the subject of prayer, which is a quiver of its own, you can put in many, many arrows. And tonight, we're going to put another quiver. We're in, our, in our quiver, we're going to put another arrow. And that is praying in the name. Which name is that? Which name could be that? Jesus. We know it to be the name of Jesus. I'd like to just focus on it, just go over some, some material you probably have heard over the years yourself anyway. But I'd like to... Uh, uh, I know that repetition is a keynote of learning, and we all need to be reminded, including myself, of some of these things. And so to continue to build an arsenal of defense and attack against the enemy's devices while building the kingdom of God. And so prayer at the same time when they were building Nehemiah's wall, you could see that with one hand they had a shield, one hand they had a, they had a, a trowel, didn't they? And in the other hand they had a spear. And so prayer is like that. It builds the wall of, ki of the kingdom of God while protecting you from the enemy's devices. And the Bible says to be aware of the enemy's devices. I mean, we are aware of what he's doing. And so a Christian in this day and age, in this time of, uh, I would call it spiritual intensification, there are things coming upon the earth as we speak, which are there's building an intensity in the spirit such as the world has never experienced before because it is what the, uh, in the Greek terminology calls the end of end of days. And you'll see that in 2 Timothy chapter 3, the, the uh, Greek translation there is the end of end of days. It says perilous times will come. People will be lovers of themselves, boastful, and all those things. And so... Uh, before Jesus' departure in, from his earthly ministry, he began to prepare the disciples for the ongoing ministry of taking the gospel message throughout all the earth and in all the region. And, and it wasn't an exit strategy for Jesus, amen? He wasn't just putting himself out of a job and he's appointing his disciples. Jesus then took on another role and he became the mediator and advocate for everybody, sitting at the right hand of the Father. That's where Jesus is right now. He's no longer on the cross. Amen? Jesus is no longer on the cross. He's no longer in a manger. He's no longer on a donkey. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father, and that's the position that you and I pray from, as Philippians said, seated with him, we are heirs and co-heirs with Jesus Christ. So when you understand where the position that you pray from, you begin to see yourself more in a position of authority than you currently are right now. You don't realize the authority that has been delegated to you. And when you understand the authority that has been delegated to you, you somehow will pray differently. You will pray for rain in the midst of a drought and you'll see the, si uh, the cloud the size of a man's hand being formed in the distance and you say, get ready because it's going to rain. 
That's what you will do because your, your perception of how you see yourself and the authority that has been rightfully delegated to you as a, as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so in John chapter 16 and verse 23, this is Jesus speaking, and he says, Most assuredly I say to you, so Jesus is still on the earth in his earthly ministry, he says, Whatever you ask the Father in my name, I will gift you. You see that? In my name. And you can go through your Bible, in John's Gospel in particular, and go through chapters 3, 4, and 5, and you'll see, in, and also in the book of Acts, you will see it over and over again, where the apostles prayed in Jesus' name. And how, how often do we, we just don't do that anymore? But the Bible's very, very clear about it. And in the following verse, he says, Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Why? Because Jesus was with them. But now that he's departed, he's seated at the right hand of the Father, he's in the advocate or he's in the, uh, the position standing between heaven and earth, he's the mediator, the cross really is the mediator between heaven and earth. And Jesus is not only a mediator, but he's also an advocate, which means he works on our behalf. Who knows having a mediator is one thing, but having an advocate is another. An advocate is one who's on your side. I want to say that Jesus is in your corner. If I was George Foreman, he wrote a book called God in My Corner. Remember George Foreman, the great world champion boxer? He became a pastor, great Christian man. But they had already achieved some great success in ministry when the 70 returned. Remember the 70 was sent out to bring the gospel. Jesus sent them out two by two. And uh, they returned in uh, Luke chapter 10 and verse 17 and said, Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Amen? Remember that? The disciples were sent out. There were 70 disciples. They were sent out two by two. And they began to learn to pray in the name of Jesus. And they would speak to demons. You know what? There's still demons around today. This hasn't changed. And demons are fallen angels. They comprise of one third of the spirit realm. When Satan was sent from, from the heavens to earth and other places, one third of the angelic host forms what we call now to be the demonic realm according to the word of God. So it means that two thirds are still with Jesus, on Jesus' side. Amen? So the devil is powerful, but God is all powerful. Amen. With the breath of God's mouth, we, we know that Satan turns into tumbleweed. Amen. Tumbleweed. You seen tumbleweed? It just goes down the street and the Lord at the appropriate time, he'll just go like this. And that'll be the finish of Satan. Amen. It won't not be a big competition. It won't be a, a long drawn out 15 round fight. It'll be this. And everybody go, well, that was an anticlimax. <laughs> I paid my ticket for a full 15 rounds. <laughs> you see what I mean? That's how powerful God is. That's all it is. That's all it is. But they rejoiced. You see, there is an authority delegated to you. When we understand that authority, you will pray different. Verse 9, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. This is Jesus speaking. And over all the power of the enemy. If you've done Greek, if you've done Hebrew, if you've done Latin, 
all means all. Even in English, all means all. That's true, isn't it? How deep is this? This is deep, isn't it? Over all the power of the enemy. When you pray, you have a delegated authority to trample upon all the authority of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. But when you pray in faith, you can lie back and take it. You can lie back and take a beating. Or you can stand to your feet, get a bit of chutzpah, amen? Stand against the things that have been coming your way and begin to stand your ground. Hold the line and begin to proceed. We are here to take ground, amen? We're not here to just to hold the line. We are here to advance. And when the darkness, the Bible says the darkness must flee. When the light of God, it's a scientific law, when light comes in, darkness must exit. It's automatic. When you walk into a room, know that the light of God's glory is within you. You change the atmosphere of a room when you walk in it. I could tell as soon as Wendy walked in, the place just lit up and it was, oh, I said, oh, there's the glory of God. Wendy's just walked in. It's so good, isn't it? That's how you need to see one another, amen? You carry the light of God's glory within you. When David walks onto the paddock, it's just the glory of God just comes in, amen? Because you, the, the, it says, he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. It's not like you, it's like two spirits, God and you. No, it's one. It's like a, a tea bag dropped into hot water. You can't take the tea out of that cup anymore, can you? It's infused, it's one. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. You see, you've got to feel empowered. When you come to the place of prayer, you're seated with him in the heavenly realms, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every other name that is named. That's what it says in uh, Ephesians 1, 17 to 22. Amen? That's what it says. And so, uh, the, but the power, the use of another person's name... Jesus here was introducing to what we call the power of attorney. We think it's just a legal term, but it's a God term. It's a heavenly term because God, Jesus delegated it to his disciples. That's you and I, the power of attorney, which came fully into its own when Jesus returned to the Father, seated at the right hand of the Father. The full power of attorney was given to those who believe. Are there any believers in the house tonight? Give, give me an amazing hallelujah. Hey, it's good to be excited about the things of God. Amen. We are world changers because the Spirit of God lives, rules, and reigns within you. We have to see ourselves different. We are a victorious church. When Jesus returns, he's not coming back from a weak, backslidden church without a backbone. No, he's coming back for people who know their God and will do great exploits because they do know God. Amen. So the power of eternity of attorney is the use of another person's name to declare legal rights. And so it's a legal right, not even when you were baptized with the Holy Ghost and as in Ephesians 1 5, Acts 1 5 and 8. No, it came to you the moment that you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that authority was imparted to you. You don't have to be a, a Pentecostal Christian. You don't have to be any one of those. You can just be someone who said, I repent of my sin. I believe in Jesus Christ. I made him and have made him Lord of my life. And that authority is delegated at that moment in time. When you became, that's when the moment that you became born again. Amen. I'm not talking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It is a different thing. And so the use of another person's name to declare legal rights, it is a privileged power 
that Jesus has delegated to you, that he's delegated to you, he's delegated to you, he's delegated to each and every one of us. There is none here whom that authority and power has not been made available. You see why we we should be living victorious lives. To To take second best is not in our job description. They say, oh, he's just a Christian, he's just a nice person, I can push him over. No, you don't take second best. You do not take second best. And Christians, by and large, have been very nice people, but we've not learned to stand up. And we need to in this time. The Jewish people have learned in the last 75 years to stand up. And they said, never again. Amen? And that's why we stand with our Jewish brothers and sisters. And we stand with them, shoulder to shoulder. And when they finish picking on them, they're going to come worldwide to come for the Christians. That is, that is absolute gospel. Amen? That's what the gospel says. But we are learning to stand up. And this church is a church this, in this region is going to be a powerful, and I declare it is a powerful church. Amen. It is a powerful church. It's present tense. And you have to say it to yourself. When you're looking in the mirror, besides I think you're gorgeous, you can say, I am powerful. Amen. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Doesn't it say in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So it's the power of God infused or injected. It's the dunamis dynamite power of God that is made available to you. And to leave it on the shelf and go out with a pea shooter when you've got a bazooka up there is crazy. Amen? You've got the power of God made available to you. But you can jump on that shelf of mediocrity yourself. Or you can jump down with that bazooka on your shoulder and begin to fire a few shots, bringing down every work of darkness and establishing the kingdom of God. Who's getting a bit excited about the prayer life? Amen. You'll pray different. If your prayer life is boring, the God is saying, my prayer life's not boring. Jesus' prayer life wasn't boring. He prayed all night and came down and stretched his legs on Lake Galilee. That wouldn't have been boring. Amen. Jesus stretched his legs on Lake Galilee. He's called us to do these amazing things as a demonstration of his spirit's power. Not just for a show, but to bring others to faith. Amen. And we've called to live a victorious life. And so, and the other, so uh, uh, an example of using this authority, we see it in the movies, and you see these soldiers rocking up to the gates the castle and they say open up in the name of the king and expecting obedience without delay not to do so is treason not to do so could see your head being used as a do- as a doorstop who wants to use amen? who wants to see their head used as a doorstop amen nobody wants that do they but the authority that they had they said open up in the name of the king and so that's an earthly king but jesus is the king of kings and he is the lord of lords And when you say there's a door closed to you, you say, open up in the name of the king, the king of kings and the lord of lords. He's the monarch of the universe and the sovereign of the universe. He's the creator, the Elohim of all that is seen and unseen. Amen. Or we used to... We used to do that in our declaration of faith when I was raised in the Catholic Church as a boy. And it was. It was part of the Apostles' Creed. Amen. Of all that is seen and is unseen. But that is the sovereign, the creator of the universe. And when you say, open up in the name of the king, you can expect every demon in hell to have to bow. It is illegal. It works by a legal entity. 
and they have to bow. Amen? Is this changing the way you see your prayer life? Amen? You, play, you are praying from a position of authority, from a position of authority. And so uh, you might be asked in your in work environment, who said that you could do that? And you say, well, the boss said I could do it. So it gives you a legal framework by which you can operate. So how much more so? Who said that you could untie that donkey? They said to, to a couple of disciples. And they said, the master said. And they said, oh, okay. And so when men ask you, when you begin to do the will of God, amen, and you're going to be asked to do some amazing things. God wants to do his church to do, do amazing things. He defeats the world without a sword, Amen. All the armies of the earth will be brought to their knees without a sword. How is it done? It's by the power. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, said Zechariah 4, 6. And so when someone says to you, by what authority are you doing these things? You'll say, do you know who my daddy is? <laughs> and that is a daddy with a big D. Do you know my father? Have you ever heard a little kid? And uh, I used to, my dad's five, my dad passed away some months back. He was five foot three, I think, or five foot two, or even shorter in these later years. And, uh, but when I was little, littler than I am now, and I used to think my dad was the biggest man in town. And I would say that. I was just so proud of my dad. I love my dad. And uh, I used to think, hey, do you know who my daddy is? But do you know who your heavenly father is? When someone says, who gave you the authority to do that? And you've heard clearly from God that he wants you to do something. you just got to say, do you know who my daddy is? Do you know who my father is? Amen. Acts 4.12. Peter says, nor is there salvation. That word there is Yeshua. When you read the word salvation in the Old Testament, the word is Yeshua, which is the Hebrew word for Jesus. Every time you see the word that you may drink, and Isaiah says that you may drink and draw life from the wells of salvation. In the original Hebrew is that you would drink and draw life from the wells of Yeshua. That is Jesus. Amen. His name means salvation. His job description is salvation. He can't help himself. Jesus just wants to save. Jesus saves. And so said, nor is there salvation in any other name, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. No other name. You cannot be saved by... Christian Outreach Center cannot save you. Amen? The United Church cannot save you. We are a denomination. But it is Jesus. It is only our ability to point Jesus that will see salvation and change in people's lives. And all the power of God is unleashed and made available to you in Jesus' name. And so Hoshea, and, and I, I remember uh, in, when you read chapter, uh, Numbers, and Moses had a protege, and his name was Hoshea. You'll know him as, know him as Joshua. And they changed Moses. Uh, God said to, uh, to Moses, change his name from Hoshea, which means salvation. Amen? It's a derivative of Yeshua. Hoshea is the same. means salvation. And, uh, and uh, he was being trained up to be the military successor and leader of all Israel. And so Moses thought it's not good that the people look to Joshua and see him as salvation. And so the Lord changed his name to Joshua, which means Yah, Yah is a shortened form of uh, yud heh vav -Heh. Jehovah, Yahweh, which means, so Joshua means God is salvation. And so it was a safeguard for Joshua that people should see him as a, the one that brings salvation. No, it's not. 
the mightiest general in God cannot bring salvation. It is only the Spirit of God working through that person. It is always Jesus who brings salvation and no other. And for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved, which is what Peter said in Acts 4.12. And so, we, uh, so what is the ju jurisdiction of this authority? A lot of people want to know about these legal terms. And Paul writes to the Philippian church in Philippians 2, 9 to 11, and it's fantastic. And he gives the, the uh, definition or the, uh, the exact jurisdiction of authority that Jesus has, which he has delegated to you. So Philippians 2, 9, therefore God also has highly exalted him. Who's him? Jesus. And given him the name which is above every name. This is good, isn't it? It's confirming. Scripture confirms itself. If you want to know where, where the terms and things and what's this mean and everything, Scripture defines Scripture. Other Scriptures will bring to a greater meaning to the Scripture that you're reading. And so, therefore, God has also highly exalted him, given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Here is the three dominions of those in heaven, of those on earth and those under the earth. And so we see the three realms are fully covered by the dominion and authority of Jesus. And it says, And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see that? Full authority in heaven, earth, and under the earth. All three realms. And so when Jesus gives us a delegated authority, that's tremendous power. And we must understand and David said, if I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. And see, there it is. Wherever Jesus is, that authority is exercised. Uh, uh, in, in regard to being a mediator and advocate, 1 Timothy 2.5, I always give scripture reference so that you can cross-reference, download it on the podcast service and go through the scriptures and that you can verify these things for yourself. Become a, a Bible a studier for yourself. And uh, for there is one God, one mediator between God and men and the man Christ Jesus. Amen? One mediator. There is only one. There is only one. And so we see in Acts chapter 3 and verse 6, and I'd like for you to open up the book of Acts if you wouldn't mind. And I won't be too long now. I'll be finished within two hours. <laughs> and here we have... The use of divinely imparted power of eternity, attorney to believers and, uh, and the immediate trouble they get in with religious people. When you begin to exercise religious authority, uh, a spiritual authority, you can get in trouble with religious authorities. I mean, because not everybody's happy to get on board with Bible-believing Christians. I mean, it's just the way it is. And it is the way that has always been. And we see in Acts chapter 3, now Peter and John, they went up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and there was a man who was lame from birth. And you've read this story. And uh, Peter looked at him, he said, uh, Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. And it didn't matter because silver and gold cannot save you. Silver and gold cannot heal you. But he says, but what I do have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Get up and walk. And so there was the exercise of the name. So that's how we use the name. You walk up to somebody who's sick and you say, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Amen? 
in the name. That's how we pray. You say, that's presumptuous? No, it's not. That's how they did it. In the name of Jesus, they spent the time in prayer. We know that. But in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? And so they went on a little bit further. And uh, in verse 16, and they were brought to account because they healed a, a, a man crippled from birth. And he got in trouble. And they were brought before the Sanhedrin. And, and they said, in his name, through faith in his name, he has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And so there, there, there they verify that. And uh, going on in a couple of other verses in Acts chapters, chapter 4 now, and when they had set them in the midst, they were brought to account before the Sanhedrin, they asked, by what power or what name have you done this? And they were being grilled because they prayed in this extravagant way. And they said in verse 10, Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, is uh, how this man stands here before you whole. In verse 12, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven among men by which we must be saved. And, that, and they say, that man got see, uh, healed there. But that Greek word saved means body, soul, and spirit. Amen? Amen? The Greek word there is sozo. And so it means body, soul, and spirit. Okay? So it's just not a physical healing. But we know that people these days, many people need emotional healing. They need a healing with their thought life. Every second person now is on uh, prescription medication for this and that. And one of the reasons is because there is an intensification in this season, never before in the history of the earth. There is spiritual activity that is harassing people at a, 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 a un, I'll use a, a media word here, an unprecedented isn't it an overused word now? But I'm going to use it. Unprecedented level. That's true. And so we see good, good Christian peoples are being harassed themselves, not with just circumstantial depression and things like that. When there is no apparent reasons, people are spiraling in their thought life. Amen? And uh, for no apparent reason. But I believe it's because of an absolute increase in spiritual activity that is on the earth in this time and dispensation. And you will have, we all have friends. And perhaps many people here over the years, I myself have been on medication over the years. And it brought me to the cross 30 years ago. And ever since then, I haven't popped one aspro since. Because the Lord totally delivered me. Amen? Totally delivered me. And so, there you have it. As Jules comes to the keys, that would be wonderful if she would. There are three ways in which to obtain a great name. You can be born to a great name. You can get a great name by your achievements. Or it can be bestowed or conferred upon you. And Jesus fulfills all three categories. Amen? All three categories. He was born to a great name and... Hebrews, it talks about he inherited that great name by achievements and by conquest. In Ephesians 1, it says, having disarmed all principalities and powers. It's talking about demonic, the demonic realm. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. And in Philippians 2.9, it talks about, I've already 
raised his scripture already bestowed or conferred upon him. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name. That name is Yeshua. Yeshua HaMashiach is Jesus the Messiah. Amen. When you begin to pray, this is just one little quiver tonight. One little arrow to put in your quiver of prayer. There's so many facets to prayer. But one is your identity in Jesus Christ. Knowing that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, far above all principality and might and power, and every work of the devil. Amen. You have a read of Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, right through to the uh, midway through chapter 2. Have a read of that. Read it 10, 20, 30, 40 times. Read it. Read it and sow it into your life uh, over and over and over till it becomes your default position. That's where we have to have our default position. How we react in times of pressure is our default position. And uh, by sowing the Word of God, I was talking to a young man today, sowing it liberally and to sow the Word of God because it, the, the Bible says in Mark chapter 4 that the seed grows of itself, the sower knows not how. So as you sow the Word of God, it will begin to grow in your life while you're sleeping. While you're sleeping, that's what it's saying. Whatever you sow to, if you sow to the Spirit, you will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. If you sow to the flesh, you will of the flesh reap corruption. That's what it says. And so if you produce a harvest of the things that you've sown in your life over the last 24 hours, what sort of crop are you going to grow? And you can tell because it grows of itself, the sower knows or not how. But if you begin to sow to the realm of the Spirit, amen, sow the Word of God. So in these principles of prayer, look in the mirror and say, you are undefeatable because you are connected. You are joined with the Lord. Amen. He who is joined to the Lord, one spirit with him. All authority. I'll finish up on Mark. Mark chapter uh, 16. And this is Jesus. Only a couple of verses before he signs off the gospel of Mark. And Jesus says the very last words. And he says, and these signs will follow those who believe. Listen to this. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents and they will drink anything deadly and by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. They were Jesus' very, very last words in the gospel of Mark. In my name. Jesus is speaking to you tonight. He's speaking to me. And he says, go out into all the world and preach the gospel. And he says, and in my name, you will do these things. When you pray, when you pray for the sick, you say, you don't have to make a big song and dance of it. You don't have to raise your voice. Knowing the authority by which you speak, you can just say, in the name of Jesus, devil, this town ain't big enough for two of us. Pack your bags. And there is the door. Give him an eviction notice, amen, with the, all the authority of the highest court in the universe. The highest court in the universe is behind you, amen. Let's stand to our feet tonight. Father, I thank you, Lord, for these body of believers, Lord, and to those even listening online. I bring them before your throne of grace. I pray, Lord, that you seal this word. I know, Lord, you gave me this word. I know 
because you want to build us. You are building a strong church, Father. And I pray, Lord, for this body of believers today. I pray that the Spirit of the Lord come upon us powerfully, Lord, that we begin to pray and realize we are praying from a position of power, praying from a position of authority. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that the gates of hell will not prevail against the army of the Lord in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that people will rise up and begin to declare things and you will establish them. And not one word that they speak when they pray, Lord, would fall to the ground. But as you upheld Samuel's word, you would uphold their declared word and you will establish it. I thank you, Father, today. Reveal yourself powerfully, Lord, in the prayer life of the believers, Lord God, today, of your church here in the towers. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord God, today. In Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord a great round of applause tonight. Oh, come on. There is power in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's sing it with conviction. In the name of Jesus, there is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain, to break every chain, to break every